Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Fight Night Extra on Talksport Two. If you love your boxing and MMA, this is the show for you. Find out extra with myself, Adi Oladipo, and the great Gareth A. Davis. Today, we're looking back on Saturday night at the O2 Arena as Anthony Joshua delivered the KO so many were calling for him to do, finishing off Robert Hellenius in the seventh round. Despite the stoppage, not everyone was happy. Sections of the crowd were booing during the fight. We'll ask if that was out of line and also discuss AJ's post-fight behaviour, which included drinking stout with Conor McGregor. Uh, with the win now in the bag, it looks like we will see, finally, AJ versus Wilder next. We are going to discuss that fight and how it might play out based off the back of Joshua's performance. And we're going to hear from Joshua Boatsy, the light heavyweight, was in the TalkSport studios earlier this week to discuss his upcoming fight with long-term friend Dan Aziz. Remember that fight is next month. All right, loads to get through as always. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Anthony Joshua, please stand up. And the Viking, who I spoke to this week at the press conference, says he's embracing Valhalla or beyond tonight. So he's bringing it. I said the time has come in London, England. The fight starts now. Both guys showing a lot of respect to each other. They know each other well. They've sparred hundreds of rounds together, so they will know each other's style. A little bit of cat and mouse in there at the moment. Hellenius, who has been composed so far, has kept his boxing together. Big right hand down from Joshua, and down goes Hellenius. Victor Lachlan waves his arms, and the fight is over. Massive right hand detonating on the chin there of Hellenius. We came, we seen, and Anthony Joshua conquered. Gareth Davis, O2 Arena, uh, bouncing at some stages on Saturday night. Certainly not through the whole night. I don't think it was the most entertaining of fight nights. But regardless, I think um, it was a good night of boxing. What did you make of it all? Well, from the top, um, I'm giving a 7 out of 10 to Anthony Joshua. Who okay. is becoming Vladimir Klitschko. Yes, he, um, yes, he's morphing into him right in front of our eyes. Yeah, um, I think... He's cautious, not gun-shy. Um, made a statement, real knockout, that's fine. Um, very simple strategy. Uh, jabs to head and body. Not a lot of lateral movement in him. A lot of straight lines, left rights. Hooks from re- from from outside range, which was strange for me. Kept doing no that. No combination. Kept doing that, which was weird. Yeah, no, comb- no combination punching. No counters from him either, um, which all points to cautiousness for me. Um, if he'd thrown a four-punch combination, he'd have put Hellenius away. But again, earlier, which which would have got rid of the booing. I didn't get the booing. Um, I think there was a, an extreme element of relief from Anthony Joshua, but I still applaud him for keeping the show together. Um, overall, as I say, a good performance, but he's he is a changed and evolved fighter now. Mm. Um, but I don't know how that makes him fair against the last three or four opponents he'll probably have. Yeah, I think seven out of ten is fair. Um, it's good things that you, you notice there as well. The lateral movement wasn't there. I think the feet were good, but the lateral movement wasn't really there. That throwing the hook out of range was strange because I've always felt that that left hook was one of AJ's best punches. But that's when he gets in range and throws it, right? He throws the uppercut, then the 
the left hook. And it's almost like he kept on doing it. I was like, is he doing this on purpose? And it's almost like he was doing this as you can't hit me because I'm throwing that punch. But I'm out, I just couldn't quite work it out. It was a strange mm. one. Mm. Um, but yeah, when he let his hands go, finally, um, we saw that, you know, he still has the power. Um, b- before we talk specifically about the performance per se, the, the aftermath, him jumping out of the ring, going over to Conor McGregor, uh, usual non-answering antics on the mic. What do you make of all that? Because I'll be honest with you, it annoys me. What do you make of it? Well, I had the same non-answering on the mic. I had to turn to Conor McGregor for talk sports. Mm. I, I was trying to get Anthony's attention. Mm. He'd done his BBC radio interview. Then he, well, I was next to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And 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 he it, and and it. I don't feel insulted by it at all. Um, because I know even when I was doing a TV interview after his Kubrat Pula fight, um, and when you think about after the Usyk fight. Um, he's, it's hard to get his attention. That's what you're talking about. Isn't yes. He? He's, he's, he's disfocused. Yes. I think, I think there's a huge, I think he has a huge adrenaline rush at the end of a fight. Mm. Um, and I think it's a relief avalanche or something, you know, that um, he suddenly wants to turn to people. He wants the love. He's very, he's very contained in the build-up to a fight. You don't see a lot of emotion from Anthony in the build-up to a fight. Mm. And I've got this feeling there's this relief cavalcade that comes out. Um, the, the, yeah, the, he does have strange reactions after a fight. Yeah. But then I, just before we recorded this, I, I had a little look at him at, with Cheeky Charlie Parsons on um, Boxing Social. That was 3 a.m. in the arena. He was still giving interviews. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. And he was quite chilled out by then. And I think he feels a bit of resentment. There's a tiny kind of sense of him having resentment towards people not appreciating that he's giving everything he's flaming got. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, it is probably that. And I think you're right. Maybe, That's my theory anyway. I mean... No, you're right. Maybe there is this massive adrenaline dump. and But I just find it very... It's, it's quite annoying. It's, it's, it's actually, it's, it's very annoying. And look, I, I don't, I don't know. There's a part of me sometimes on Saturday, I find it quite disrespectful. I'm like, just answer a couple of bloody questions. Like just, uh, what's going on? Why is it so difficult to, to just answer a couple of questions? But then I watch him, you know, do high fives around the ring, which I wasn't a fan of because Elenius was unconscious in the ring, getting oxygen. And I thought, you know what? The nice thing would have been to check on him first. And I get it. You want to do your celebrations, but you know, there's a guy you've just knocked out viciously, lying down and not getting up. But then you're you're, you're prancing around the ring. You're, you're taking stout with Conor McGregor, and obviously that's exploding on that side. And then I'm jumping in the ring, and I'm thinking, like, look, please, just give me a couple of normal answers. And then it's difficult to get an answer out of him. He, he wants to grab the mic. He wants to run around and make it the AJ show. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is tough work. And it, I remember that, <clears throat> that, like I said, it's like a disfocus. Mm. When he beat Kubrat Pulev, and I was doing your job for, for um, to zone that night, mm. I was doing the post-fight interviews yeah. in, in COVID with a thousand people at the um, Ovo Arena in Wembley. Is that when Floyd and, was there? Yes, okay. when, Floyd was, when Floyd was there, yes. And I had Eddie and... AJ to interview and you've got to do it like you say you've got people in your ear saying you know right three questions they might suddenly say right that's it or that you might carry on for 10 minutes yeah. and it's an opportunity you, you, I mean from our perspective it's an opportunity to throw forward what's coming now who you're calling out all those things that happen Agreed. in that metier and he was kept talking up to people on the top balcony I was saying I had to say to him Anthony, just give me your attention. Just give me your attention for a few minutes here. We need to do an interview. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, he, and he did it. And I do remember thinking, you know, you feel like you don't want to get in the way. I'm, I'm talking professionally with you here. Yeah. You don't want to get away in the way of their moment because it's their moment. Mm-hmm. And yet what they should be doing is addressing the world in that moment and they're not doing it. Yeah. And, and, and it does make people think that, 
and we're being, I think we're being overcritical here, but but in the, in the same breath, he should have been saying in that moment, oh, I can't wait to knock Deontay Wilder out now, or Fury, or all those things that you do. He said to me, when I had him for talk sport, he was hugging and signing and doing different things. And I was trying to get, I stuck the microphone under his nose. And I said, so is it Wilder left next? And he went, well, that's the agenda from the media and the fans, isn't it? And I'll just go with whatever the agenda is. And and so, but it was interesting. And I had, I actually turned while I was interviewing and got Conor McGregor who was coming past, believe it or not. Mm. So I turned the AJ interview and it was luck. But, um, and Conor gave a great soundbite, which is, it's a dangerous sport, but it, there's, there's, he's, I think he's under enormous pressure, Eddie. Enormous pressure that we don't even realise. Yeah, no, you know, I, that, I and that he won't with. even talk about himself. That that I hundred percent agree with. And I was speaking to someone about this um, a few days ago. I said when AJ was at his absolute pinnacle, his absolute peak, he was loved by every man, woman, and child in this country. Like there wasn't a not there was not an AJ. There was not sorry, not an AJ fan. Everyone loved him. He's now in a situation where that's not the case. It, it, it isn't, and he must know that. He must feel that as well. Where you know, for the first time in years, the stick, he sees it online, he sees it in newspapers, he hears it. And that must be quite strange as well to deal with, where you've gone from being loved, almost a bit Frank Bruno-esque, right? But everyone in this country to the point where you're not that guy anymore. Yeah, did you speak to Frank Bruno? I didn't. I said hello to well. him. I said hello. I said, Frank, massive yeah. fan of yours growing up, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. 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 Uh, Lord Bruno, as I call him, I had a chat to him. He was a really good form, best looking man in the room. I call him, sharp. and he is. He, I love Frank. Sharp. Lo- love Frank. Um, the thing is, I think AJ has Eddie Hearn. I had an interview with Eddie Hearn yesterday. It's out on Boxing Social mm. um, for the, the Fight Club, the show that you were on so brilliantly uh, when you came on one of the very first shows and, and talked about your life. And if you haven't listened to that, I know this is our podcast on Talks yes. but go back nice, and listen nice to plug, I think I agree. Fight Club with Addy. We had a great time. And Addy talks an awful lot about his life and where he is and why he is how he is. Um, and Eddie said, the thing is with AJ, he lives in, in a bubble. And it's so true. It's like, I was thinking about this on these very themes. It's, it's a, I know we're digressing and digging deep here, but it's a really important theme because it's one of the most important things about a guy who is a massive figure in, in, in the world of boxing, who is a huge part of industry, and um, who, who we talk about, because he is an enigma now. Mm. And, and Eddie was telling me yesterday on, on Fight Club that the weird thing about AJ is he does live in a bubble. And whenever you see him walk around Fight Week, you know, he's very upright and proud, and there's five cameras on him. And there's eight people that go in a trail with him. He lives in a complete bubble, not the real world. Now, when Eddie came to me yesterday for the show, he was wandering through Chelmsford, um, you know, in his shorts and T-shirt because the road was closed. Everybody knows Eddie. Eddie's as well known, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's massively known. But I think I'd like to see, and I do think we see it sometimes from AJ, just an unshackling. That's why I didn't mind it when he lost it against Usyk. He lost it and dropped the belt, uh, grabbed the belts. Because I'd like to see a, um, I don't know, him go through some kind of portal and come out the other side. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head that he was loved and he and and he hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah, but he's lost the love. Yeah, he's just he's just lost a couple of fights. It's not like he's not tried his hardest. I think we both know that when AJ's in fight camp, he's dedicated. He's just lost a couple of fights and all of a sudden that love has dwindled. Like we heard boos. We heard boo. I've never, I was like, my God, I've never heard boos in my life in an AJ fight. We heard boos and they rang out for a minute or so. Yeah, that was very, very unfair. I'm sorry. I mean, I I can be a harsh critic at times, but that was just... Utterly uncalled for. Mm. Utterly, it's it's a bit like I th- I, the weird thing is um, in fight sports um, when someone does look indestructible, when you look like Anthony Joshua as well, you know, 
you know when when Joshua takes his shirt off, everyone else puts theirs on, don't they? Not everyone. But no, not you mean. Do you know what I mean? We, no, we, no, we all breathe in. We all breathe in very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the body is beautiful. Yeah. It's, there's no doubt about it. You know, he, he's a sculpted Adonis, and um, when when someone has that indestructible force and looks like they can never be beaten, when when people when insiders in boxing going back to his 17th and 18th fights were going, I cannot wait for Joshua against Fury, you know, and, 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 you know, the, 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 the Joshua supporters were like, he's going to smash Fury. He's going to, this is because for Fury had had the three wilder fights and all these different um, other things that happened. And when someone has that air of invincibility, they're, they're, they're godlike, aren't they? Mm. You know? And I, and I think, the the what we're what we're witnessing is that rise, then the fall, then the rise again has not convinced. Yeah, and and we don't want him to be another Klitschko to go back to what we, we don't want him to be another Klitschko. We want him to be the wrecking ball AJ, mm. the stud that he was in those first fights, the guy that walked through fire. You know, like a a warrior in three hundred. Yeah, do you know because he looks like that. You are correct. He looks like a warrior yeah, from yeah. three hundred. You are correct. Look, yeah, we're going to talk yeah. more about AJ a bit later. Um, quickly, you want to touch on Chisora very quickly. I beat Gerald Washington. It was almost a win that meant nothing to me because I don't want to see Chisora fight anymore. Um, so I actually wasn't even scoring it. I was just like, okay, who's won that fight? I think Chisora's won, but I'm not quite sure. Um. I was speaking to Dave Caldwell, who's obviously trained Chisora, and he's like, he's tried to tell Chisora to stop. Tony Bellew says, I've tried to tell him to stop. David Hayes says, I've tried to tell him to stop. He clearly won't listen to anyone. He will stop when he wants to stop. He's got a very large pink house in North London. You know that. It's totally pink. Mm. Do you know that? No, I didn't know it was pink. No. The whole house is, but you know, he obviously came in as Barbie dad yeah. on, on Saturday night with his two daughters. He's such a showman. He is. Whoa, Derek Chisora. That sound, he's a cult figure. He's now become... And yeah. that cult figure is is not good for him in some ways mm. because it's spurring him on. He showed me the picture of the pink house because obviously he did the Barbie thing on Saturday night and his daughters were there and it was a brilliant moment and he, he is an amazing showman now. Um, that, that, that kind of weird off-the-chartness that he had is now kind of honed into a great skill. Mm. He doesn't know the meaning of stop or quit. In fact, you do Off the Cuffs now. I did a series called Off the Cuff for DAZN, and Derek did an amazing interview with me. He had an amazing interview um, where he said, even when I'm in my coffin, I'll still be fighting. You know, It was very chilling. Um, and I think, um, you know, Gerald Washington, he was both was in good shape as well. But regardless of the outcome, like you say, it was more entertaining than Dempsey McKean, uh, Flip Hergovich fights. Yeah, that one, but, that one will skip um, past. I didn't even know that happened. Yeah, either. but, but, it, but the problem is, and we, we, he's got such a force inside him, such a life force and a resilience that he doesn't know yet the damage he's doing to his body for 10 or 15 years time yeah that, that, know, I, I think that we think no 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 i think um, we've covered the sport of boxing to to know having seen people that have taken the punishment derek's taken now and see them 20 years later you kind of know what, what the issues are going to be and look, i touch wood i'm touching wood Dad, I, that's not the case but my point about the pink house and the little girls is he's fighting to put as much money into his family as he can. That's, that's what I think he, he's fighting for them. He's earning money for them. But, and, and, and I think you're never going to stop him. I think he's probably got one or two more. He'll fight in Saudi a couple of times. I think. Yeah. I remember saying one or two more when he got knocked out by David Hay and here we are mm. 10 years later mm. and he's still having his one or two yeah. more. All right, uh, you're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we are going to hear from Joshua Boatsy, who drops into the TalkSport studios to talk about his upcoming fight with Dan Aziz. We'll also round up some of the other headlines from the past week, including a big fight announcement for Sonny Edwards. He'll be going to America in December. Next up, though, it looks like Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder is all set for Saudi Arabia. How will it play out? 
Melenius, who has been composed so far, has kept his boxing together. Big Yeah, we're carrying heavyweight boxing. I believe that for years I've played my part in bringing entertainment to heavyweight boxing. And that's why he was asking about the Wilder fight. I'm not comparing what it could have been. I'm just happy that we're getting this fight underway potentially soon. Welcome back. You're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Adding on a depot, the great Gareth A. Davis as well. Anthony Joshua got the victory that he needed, got the knockout that he desperately needed as well on Saturday, stopping Robert Hellenius in the seventh round. Um, immediately after, everything now pointed towards Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. Um, I spoke to Eddie post-fight uh, in the ring. He said January. This is what Eddie Hearn had to say to elaborate on that fact at the post-fight press conference. We know that the Wilder fight would land probably in January, but also at the same time, he's been around a long time where he's not just putting all his hopes on that fight. Like, it can get made and it, it maybe it won't get made. It's really... It's all on skills challenge in Saudi Arabia, whether that fight happens. Everything we're hearing from every side is that that fight's going ahead in January. But until we sign, you know, we've got to keep the options open. We 100% want to fight Deontay Wilder. To be honest with you, like, AJ is easy. Like, he would fight Wilder, no problem at all. If he can't fight Wilder or that fight, that deal falls through, he'll want to know when he's fighting next because that's his mindset at the moment. You know, my only worry is when Deontay Wilder boxes. I heard that Malik Scott said on our um, Matchroom Boxing podcast that they're planning a fight in October, which worries me a little bit. Um, but at the same time, you know, one of the things that, that shows you how much AJ wants to fight is I don't think Deontay Wilder would box for the purse that AJ boxed for tonight. You know, and AJ really don't care. He doesn't care how much he's getting to fight Deontay Wilder. Honestly, he just wants to fight. And if that's going to take time, then he'll want to fight again ASAP. But from the team's point of view, and I know what he wants ultimately, the Wilder fight's one we want to get. Eddie Hearn there speaking to the media post-fight. Um, look, that's what we want now, isn't it, Gareth? I mean, it has to be Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. Um, Eddie there alluded to the fact that it's not quite done, but it is very, very close to being done. And also said January is the date, which moves a little bit from what we heard a few months ago being the back end of the year, December. But looks like we are all systems go for this one now. To go into the ins and outs of it, um, he's going to have to fight him in a different way if he fights Deontay Wilder next. Mm. Do, do, do you think the date is sort of set in stone now, January? Do you think it happens? I mean, AJ in the ring after was talking about having another fight almost before the Wilder fight. Do you think we are... All systems go for January. What, what can you tell us? That is possible. Mm. That is possible to have another fight. Um, they're talking about it. They're a little bit cagey about it. So he may well have another fight. Um, I know Bellew and Hay want him. Tony Bellew and David Hay think he should have another fight. Yeah. But uh, for me, just go and get it done. But I want to know your point of view. I know we're moving on. But um, I want to know... Do you reckon he has to go and have a shootout with Wilder and push Wilder onto the back foot to beat him? You know, I, I feel like Wilder's um, mystique has been sold somewhat. Um, I, I've watched a lot of Deontay Wilder's fights over the years. Um, even the fights where he does get devastating chaos, Wilder's been outboxed by people I wouldn't consider the greatest boxers on the planet. And he has been caught and he has been hurt by these people as well, not just the Tyson Furies of the world. I almost feel like the, a lot of the casual boxing fans maybe just jumped on it with fury and maybe haven't watched Wilder's previous fights where he does get tagged, he does get hurt. Um, yes, we all understand that he's got the power, but um, I, I, don't think, I don't know if Wilder's ever fought someone as powerful as Anthony Joshua. I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, Luis Ortiz, Southpaw Cuban, was very, very powerful. What, does he hit harder than AJ? Not sure. Um, so I, I think AJ has the tools to cause him problems. But I think the one fear is, I don't think AJ can be as hesitant as he has been in recent fights against Wilder because Wilder, you know, you know, you know what really is impressive about Wilder. Where I feel like I've seen sort of slippage with AJ mentally after the Usyk and Ruiz defeats 
Wilder got bashed up by Fury three times, or twice really. There seems to be no slippage mentally whatsoever. He seems to be razor sharp still, no fear, and still fights like an absolute killer. Like still fights exactly the same way. And you just have to marvel at that. Um, so look, I think Wilder goes in his favourite, but I do think people maybe change their mind that AJ has no chance. I think AJ certainly has a chance, but he can't be as hesitant as he has been in recent fights. Wilder has got up off the canvas and fought like a beast yeah. against Fury in that third fight. Um, and like you say, bounced back from that second fight they had in defeat where he got smashed, he got demolished. Mm. Um, I think the danger is with Wilder. Um, Joshua's got to start quickly against him. The, the secret with Wilder, although he showed against Robert Hellanius, this is Wilder, that he can now punch off the back foot. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the, the secret against Wilder's blue, and Fury exposed the blueprint is to push him backwards. Don't let him be the bully. I just don't know if what Joshua does early in a fight is enough to, to, to command against Wilder in that way. And, and you know, there's, there's the worry that Wilder seems to find that punch against people. And he is quite good wandering around the ring and being evasive. Listen, I, I, I agree with most people now that Joshua has to take risks against um, Wilder and take it to him early. Um, if he does, great. If he doesn't and he fights like that, um, his output's got to be bigger. Yeah. So sl- He only threw, threw 15 power punches in that fight. Jeez. That's crazy. That's that's two rounds. In the first three rounds against in the first three rounds against Klitschko, he threw, I think it's thirty or twenty eight or something. Yeah. So yeah, that that's that's alarming. That is, and you know, also is alarming. You mentioned Fury sort of getting wilder on the back foot, and you're right. Fury did push him back. Fury still got put down four times. Like it, it, exactly, even he's in that got tactic, and he's he got, got up. Down. Yeah, he got up. I mean, I don't know. Like I'll tell you now. There is no way on this earth AJ's getting up from that punch that Wilder landed uh, in the third fight against Fury, where it was just literally on the button. Yeah, on literally where Wilder put every ounce of force through that right hand. Ain't no And it hit up. Fury here, didn't yeah. it? Hit Fury here. But it's messing with his yeah. equilibrium and he still gets up. Yeah, yeah. So um, look, yeah. I, I don't know. But look, I want to see it. I think it will be... We've had some big fights in the last sort of 18 months. Um... I think this will eclipse them all in terms of pay-per-view buys. I think there's still, for some reason, and I don't know why, there's still a massive intrigue in AJ versus Wilder. Both of them have been beaten. Wilder's 38, AJ's 33, 34. I thought it lost its, I thought it passed its sell-by date years ago, but people still desperately want to see it. And I think you just make it now. I think you make it, there's a lot of money on the line. Why not? There's more money now for this fight than there ever was when Eddie Hearn, as, as he revealed to me, oh, well, he's not revealed to me, but spoke to me about yesterday, was that it, there was 40 million US dollars there for, for Deontay Wilder to fight um, Anthony Joshua in 2018, I think this is Eddie. So we've been looking at that fight for five years, mm. yeah? Um, and, and that would have been a very different fight then. Oh, very different. The AJ of 2018 against Wilder was very exciting. It's still extremely exciting. It's a bit like an, an aging fighter who you've watched their career and they've been in loads of amazing fights on nights when you've got so much adrenaline, you, you don't sleep for two nights afterwards. Mm. We are waiting. We hope that AJ still has that great performance in him. You know? Yeah. What is it with boxing where fights take so long to make but yet they still make more money years later. Like, you know, like we, we, we dream of fights happening now and it's almost like the history tells you, no, 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 wait four or five years and you'll make more money. I don't know. I think, I just think it's enigmatic, that whole thing. It's, 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 it's a phenomenon. Um, but it's also because the more it's talked about, the more it's on off, the more... It, be- it just becomes bigger and the more people talk about it and it's like, we finally got it. They're not past their sell-by date. They're just different, evolved fighters. Like you say, they are more weather-worn. But um, I think that that fight is part of an era that needs to happen. It's a bit like if Fury and Joshua never happens, 
you lament that forever because it came close to happening at least three times. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 and the people in, in, in the know reckon, the teams, reckon that fight's there no matter what happens between Wilder and, and Joshua. But if Joshua earns 60 million US dollars to fight Wilder in Saudi in January or February, and he gets catastrophically knocked out in the seventh round, um, will he really want to get up and fight um, Fury. at Tyson Fury? Because even against Andy Ruiz, he wasn't splundered. You know, they were fairly flash knockdowns. Yeah. And he hasn't, you know, he's got up from the Klitschko knockdown, which we have to remember as well to, to, to stop Klitschko. Um, but if he's knocked clean out, will he recover from that mentally? Hellenius talked about that last week, you know, yeah. how he was actually depressed for three months after Wilder knocked him out. Depressed. Mm. You know? Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what kind of effect it will have. But look, let's hope that we get to that stage where we're even discussing that because I still feel like there's a few more hurdles to overcome before we see AJ versus Wilder in the ring. All right, you're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we are going to discuss a big fight announcement for Sonny Edwards and we are going to hear from Conor McGregor. We, Gareth, managed to tease an exclusive out of at the weekend. Next up, though, we're going to hear from Joshua Boazzi, who dropped into the TalkSport studios early this week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. He's waited his turn. And he's now arrived. He doesn't mind going through everyone in the division. I want to be in fights where people remember decades to come. And that's what I'm about, legacy. It's a war, it's a war. Boazzi, we know his finishing instincts. It's a war, it's a war. All right. Boazzi now will be looking to take him out in the first round. And then he lands a chopping right hand and the Latvian's on the canvas. Regardless, if we're going to fight, we'll fight. We go hell and back in sparring, free of charge, no eyes. Of course we'll do it. Dan's a cool guy. Something good had to be at stake for me to say, OK, let's do it. Whether he thinks he's a favourite or not, he's a favourite. He don't want the pressure. He doesn't want me to shift it over to him. No one's dethroned me. I ain't had no easy touches. I've done my thing. At the end, they say, it's been a nice fight. I'm in there to make sure at the end, I win. That's it. Welcome back. You're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Myself, Adi Oladipo, the great Gareth A. Davis. Uh, one of the big fights, I think, uh, this year, especially over here, um, is uh, all domestic showdown uh, between two friends, Joshua Boatsy and Dan Aziz in the light heavyweight division. Um, let's hear from Joshua Boatsy. He dropped into the TalkSport studios to talk about fighting uh, someone that he considered a good friend 
we spar for free all the time and in sparring is hard work so knowing that we're going to get paid for it and as a result of it the winner's going to get a crack at gold we can, we, we can put aside for 12 rounds definitely you must get some kind of feeling both of you actually who realistically is the favourite for the fight how, how much is left in the ring when you're sparring you go all out in the ring but when you're sparring but the thing is every session is different he might be working on something today and maybe might seem like he's losing but for him he wanted to achieve something and I might be doing the same but um, when the gloves are smaller the lights are bright there's a massive crowd and there's a lot at stake it's different from sparring that's, that's what I'm saying it's very very different from sparring so um, it reminds me a little bit of Chris Bill and Smith against Lawrence yeah. Cody. They they'd oh. sparred so many rounds, so yeah. many rounds, but nothing could prepare them for it for for a fight on the night. And, uh, and yeah. this is a, it's got that at stake as well. How, what are you expecting from Dan Aziz? And I mean, what what are his strengths? You said you've sparred with him many a time. You've seen him. You've watched him fight. He's undefeated as well. What are his biggest strengths? Uh, a strength I'd say is, as we've seen, Dan fights with passion. You could tell a pressure fighter comes forward. Um, passionate about the sport and, and he seems to translate that in the ring. Um, of course, you might say, well, that's against the people he's fighting that are allowing him to do it, but that's what we can say from seeing him um, in the last 20 fights that he's had. But again, October the 21st, I, I'm not going in to entertain that. I'm going to do what I have to do to make sure that I win. It's a really good fight, isn't it, this one, um, Gareth? Um, we love our domestic showdowns and this is one I didn't expect to happen a few years ago, but as soon as I guess as soon as Joshua Boatsy signed with Boxer and you look at the stable of light heavyweights that Boxer had, it just made sense to get this one on. Yeah, absolutely. Both undefeated. Um, yeah, Dan Aziz yeah. has a very pressing style which will walk into the space of Joshua Boatsy. They know each other really well. I just hope it's not a stalemate, which often ha happens when people know each other well and they've sparred together and they're friends and that, you know, that they can remove the fact that there's a history between them. There was a kind of icy stare down at the at the press conference, which I liked. That the, the, the enmity is there, but I think Dan Aziz, even though he's an underdog, is you can't sleep on him in this fight because this is a guy I think who's really going to test Boatsy. Yeah, how much of an underdog is he? Like, um, like you look at uh, Dan Aziz, and he's done it the right way, right? Southern area, English, British, Commonwealth, European, like ticked all the boxes going up and he's looked good ticking those boxes. Obviously Boatsy was destined for stardom but hasn't yet reached those heights. How how big is the gap between the two? Not a lot really if you think about it. Even though Boatsy is much more highly rated at world level. I think the I think the key is with um Dan Aziz that he's probably one of the most improved British boxers over the last two years, if not the most improved. Yeah. So you're looking at a guy that's really come on in the last two years and in in lots of ways a joshua boatsy if you recall as well he got out of his contract with eddie hearn and matchroom having been offered a million dollars or a million quid apparently to face dimitri bivol mm. um but wasn't happy with the the overall deal he's on a slower trajectory so weirdly they're kind of they're meeting at a point it almost reminds me of groves and and um, Froch, um, sorry, Groves and DeGale all those years ago uh, mm -hmm. when they were both just below world level and they fought and they went different crossroads. They became world champions, both of them. Yeah. But this is a massive test for both men. Yeah, Dan Aziz has been asking for this opportunity, right? You look at all the, the British light heavyweights and he's almost been on the outside looking in. Craig Richards has had the opportunity. Yard has had it. Obviously, Callum Smith has had it now. Watsi's continually getting him and Dan Aziz hasn't. He gets it now. I love the fact that he's very traditional. Like he's obviously wearing the war hats in reminiscent of the great Marvis Hagler. And he's he, he's actually shorts are like the great Marvin Hagler as well. Like he always wears these really short shorts. Very traditional is Dan Aziz. Yeah, it's just everything about him is so lovable. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a light heavyweight version of uh, Frank Bruno, isn't he? Yes. Um, He's got that beautiful booming laugh. He's got a fantastic backstory went, where he went to uni, and I think did economics or finance, mm. um, and just couldn't stop himself being in the ring. An amazing character. It's, it's good. I mean, neither of them's going to play the heel in this. If anyone is, it's going to be um, Boatsy and Mate, because he's got that stern feel about him going into a fight. And in many ways, I wish he would. 
um, play the heel a little bit more because he is a he is a kind of very serious character. Yes. Um, there's not much laughter around him with stuff. So I still favour Boazzi in this fight because I think he's got the pedigree. But you can't write Dan Aziz off. I think he'll get the best out of Boazzi. Mm, I think he'll push him. Finally, on this, where do you rank both fighters in the light, he light heavyweight division in this country? Like, is this... Is, who, who is number one, actually? God, I feel like we've, I'm getting incredible deja vu right now like we've had this conversation before mm. um maybe we have maybe um, maybe maybe we've double recorded today or something in a parallel universe um, <laughs> you can tell them the story later um the 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 thing is he hasn't really fought anyone of high level at, at light heavyweight yet but callum smith has to be in the mix in yeah, he has to be in the mix does he have to be number one no, no, no. I think, gosh, I would, gosh, I would love to see Callum Smith against both of these guys. Yeah, yeah. And Chuck Anthony Yard in there as well, who didn't let himself down against Paterbiev. Yeah. Do I, who, who am I going to, how am I going to rank them? Should I go first? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I'm going to say people are not going to like it because he hasn't actually fought. I'm going to say Smith won. Just on the eye test, I think he looks so much better under Buddy McGurk. And um, look, ring number, ring recognized number one at super middleweight. I think Smith number one. I'm going to go Boatsy, Yard, Richards, Aziz. If Dan Aziz gets a victory over Boatsy, he goes oh, to number he, two, doesn't he? Yeah. So, yeah. And he could potentially get it. I don't think he will. I, I, I think it's not what I want to happen, but I just think Boatsy uh, will do it. I think. What's weird as well is the winner of this fight is it's going to be an eliminator for Dimitri Bivol anyway. Yeah. Um, for the WBA title, so. Um, I don't get it. I mean, if you're if, if it's if you're Boatsy, maybe it's a case of you had a couple more fight camps with Virgil. Maybe that's the reason. But I don't understand it personally. Maybe that's what it is, isn't it? All right, you're listening to Final Extra on Talksport Two. Next up, we are going to hear from Conor McGregor, Mister Mystic Mac himself, who teased some potential news to Gareth at the weekend. Welcome back to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Adi Oladipo alongside the great Gareth A. Davis. Let's jump straight to this one. Conor McGregor was ringside on Saturday night for Anthony Joshua versus Robert Hellenius. He entertained the crowd. They loved him. They booed him. They jeered him. It was Conor McGregor's show. Uh, Gareth A. Davis was lucky enough to catch up with Mystic Mac. And this is what he said about potentially who he's going to fight next. Are we going to see you in another boxing match as well? The second richest fight in history when you fought Floyd Mayweather? Yeah. That man KSO over here, he couldn't box it. He couldn't box eggs if he walked in a egg boxing factory, yeah? It's great to see you as always. Slap the nose up real quick for you, yeah? For the for the for the viewers, yeah. It's always great to see you. Channel next, December, and then Gagey BMF, and then we'll do Nate trilogy. Gareth, by the way, well done. Look, I mean I said this to you um on our little WhatsApp group that we have with me, you and our producer Jeremy Fulham about how well you've done to get the A, get that interview, and, and B, just get all the type of interviews you do on Fight Night. It's never easy. Every time I'm, I'm ringside and I'm watching you, and it's usually Romario with you running around, getting them. And I think to get the Conor McGregor one was gold. Um, that was the first time I think I've heard Conor McGregor actually list his fights. He's normally a bit, you know, we'll see what happens in the next few months, but he actually listed his next three fights. Even took jibs and jibes at KSI. I thought it was a fantastic interview. Oh, thank you. Um, well, obviously, it was only two one-minute interviews um, between rounds. And I, I, weirdly, when you when you're <coughs> excuse me battling for those interviews, you are having a bit of a scrap with people, and you do have rows. And what you're doing here? You you pushed me out of the way. Did I? Yeah, yeah. For the AG one, you pushed me out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Did I really? No, no I'm not joking. You're not even aware. You just saw this big burly man and just get out of the way, yeah. And I was like, oh, look at him. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not even aware of it. I, I suppose you just after the, just doing that moment, you're in your you're in your moment doing it. Well, Conor McGregor, obviously, I know him. I've known him a long time, over mm. 10 years. And I've obviously interviewed him for TV, done docs and different things with him and, you know, teed him up 
can we have a quick chat? And really, I was leaving as he revealed those three fights. Um, he kind of wanted to put it out there. He wanted his opportunity. And, um, yeah, it was fascinating. I didn't realize that the MMA world was waiting for his next move. Yes, and it were. kind of spawned a thousand stories, really, because he said, you know, December, yes, I'm facing Chandler. Because he's been teasing that, hasn't he? Mm. Um, and then um, Nate Diaz trilogy and Justin Gaethje. And there's obviously a bit like we're discussing in the boxing world at the moment. There's a lot of kind of naysayers who believe he, he isn't coming back. But I tell you, he looks smaller than he did. He's definitely been yeah. training. Yeah, He's not there. You know, the, the the chest is not there or he's, you know, he's not kind of walking around with the shoulders, you know, doing the Vince McMahon so much, is he? Um, but, yeah, he's, he's, he's always interesting to speak to. And I thought he was very generous to Anthony Joshua at the end, mm. um, saying, you know, you've got to realise it's a dangerous sport. He analyses fight sports so brilliantly, by the yeah. way. Yeah. He's so on the money with so much. Yeah. He's just a lunatic. He is a lunatic, but I almost feel like he's playing a bit of a character sometimes as well. Um, you know, you watch the images of him with his family and he almost knows how to switch that off. And then when he's out and about and the cameras are on a bit like Tyson Fury, in fact, very much like Tyson Fury, it turns into this really WWE character, if you like. And look, it works. I mean, I, I spoke to a few of the zone heads um, straight after the fight and they loved it. They absolutely loved that he's tore KSI a new one. They like that KSI responded back. They love, they love the Conor McGregor show. Uh, it just brings new eyeballs on to anything he seems to touch. And I think he's a, he, I, th I actually think he's a bit of a marketing genius. Oh, he is. There's no question yeah, about he's it. A genius, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. No, but that parody that he does of himself. And I think he, he is, there is a parody. The problem is when, when his parody becomes real. Yeah. Um, and and because you do see the family man, you do see him enjoying his kids, doing doing the mitts with his with his beautiful little children. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and with Dee, who's pregnant with their third, I think. Um, you know, and, and for all the criticism he got, the ring card girls with him and pushing Irish stout into into AJ's mouth in the ring, and he adds to the show. And of course, the zone executives like it because they'd love him to step in with KSI because yes. that's a fight that would melt the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it would. But according to Eddie yesterday, just to throw Eddie in there again, because it was a long interview with him, there's every chance that Connor um, could fight Tommy Fury. Uh, sorry, the, the winner, not the winner, start again, G, could fight Ke um, Jake Paul. I don't know why I said Tommy Fury, but could fight Jake Paul. KSI is fighting Tommy Fury. Mm. I'm getting all my influencers and my boxers mixed up there. But these big names are going to fight each other because it generates so much money. I've just watched that Jake Paul documentary, uh, The Problem Child. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's fascinating in the background just how much marketeering there is going on with all of it. Oh it's a big God. debate for us in boxing. Oh, my God. Conor McGregor versus Jake Paul would melt the internet. Like, it, it would trend beyond anything we've ever seen before. Honestly, like I, I thought Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz felt like a big event in Dallas, Texas. I mean, Connor would multiply that by a hundred. It'd be, it, honestly, it would be absolutely sensational if that were to happen. And uh, Connor's got options. Do you, do you take the risky ones against high legit UFC guys, you know, or do you, I think even make more money getting in the ring against some of these YouTubers. I think, that's what will, I think that's what will happen. I think that's what he's teasing and that's what he's toying up. He's got to fight Chandler as part of that tough series finale. I think it, wow. the big debate for the MMA world is he's got to get into the USADA, test, USADA testing pool, which is yeah. part of the UFC's own um, veracity testing on for their own fighters in in. in and in anti-doping which eddie's talked about with matchroom by the way hasn't he he has he has he said he wants to try and set up his own i think it's much diff more difficult to do with boxing because you, then you're testing all your guys from your stable but the other guys aren't being tested uh in the same way because and you can do it with the ufc uh, some big news uh, again on saturday that we got was that sunny edwards will, will go to arizona uh, December 16th to take on Jesse Bam Rodriguez unification fight. I mean, Matchroom have been releasing their schedule little by little. And this is, I guess, the, the big one at the end of the year. It's a big it's a big fight for hardcore boxing fans, this one. I don't know if it will cross over to the casual audience, but for hardcore boxing fans, this is a very good fight. 
Yeah, well, this is the number one. It's a pound-for-pound pound fight. Um, for me, Jesse Bam Bam Rodriguez is the number one in the division. He's 23 years old. He's 18 fights, 18 wins, 11 by knockout. And obviously, um, although his world title fights, I think there's one knockout in the last four. Mm-hmm. The others have been unanimous decision, which often happens at that level um, in the elite fighters in, in, in that division. Um, it's... Uh, a southpaw. Um, it's two amazing flyweights fighting each other. I think it's an extraordinary fight, Addy. Um, and it and it's a great opportunity for Sonny Edwards to prove that he is the number one in the world. Because until he beats Bam Bam Rodriguez, I don't think he can call himself the number one in the world. Well done, Eddie. Bam Bam and um, Sonny Edwards for getting this fight over the line. It's a shame it's not in the UK. It is, it is. But I actually like the fact that Sonny's saying, you know what, F it, let's go over to America and let's see if we can take the belts from the champion in his backyard. If he does that, then I guess the plaudits just be get, just I guess become louder and get louder for him. So look, good luck to Sonny Edwards. Uh, loads more fights to Zone of Announced as well. In between that, obviously, we've got Josh Warrington versus Lee Wood. We've got Katie Taylor versus Chantel Cameron two in there as well so it's a good good end to the year uh for boxing Cattrall and Linares yeah, yeah I like that yeah I do I do it, obviously it wasn't what Jack Cattrall wanted but I, I think Linares still has something left so it should be an interesting one no it's a name it's a name as well and he can be quite spiteful for a few rounds so yeah it should be um a good little scrap that one and hopefully we can get Jack Cattrall versus Josh Taylor on uh sometime next year gareth as always my man we got it done we got it done it weren't without problems but we got it done today but thank you very very much and we'll catch up next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 